Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Technicia Day, the host of The Bright Side with Technicia. Today is April 11, 2019, and the weather is feeling wonderful. I was grateful yesterday. You have to be grateful for the small little things that go unnoticed a lot of times, but I was grateful for that 77 degrees because you know it's been up and down. But I'm not complaining if it's cool because when the summer hits, it hits, and we definitely are known to be hot lancer, most definitely. So I'm not going to complain about that at all. But I'm just glad to be back with you guys. I know I haven't been back. Um, on my normal schedule because when you do your own radio show, you have to plan everything. And you also have to have guests. Uh, for me, I prefer to have guests. I don't prefer to do the normal talking to you. I like to interact with others, to have a conversation going. So if I don't have a guest, then I don't have a show. So, But I'm glad to be back. Um, it feels really good, all the support and love that I get for people saying that they get so much value from listening to my shows, and you know nothing is from the heart. Um, it's a live conversation between two individuals, that's about it. And I started my show 2014, and I have been continuing it on, so I'm glad that people find it very valuable. But here with me, I want to introduce you to a man who I have the pleasure of holding his book in my hand, and we're going to get into that because I, I know you've probably seen the topic, A Love Letter to the Ladies. But this man was raised by a single mother and the older brother of three younger sisters, naturally prepared, he was able to communicate and understand a female's perspective. Over the past 22 years as a single Christian man, he has met many single Christian ladies who have shared their personal life events with him, known as the kind single brother in the Lord. He remained in a friend zone with the women, which made it comfortable for them to confide in him. Having experienced similar situations, many other conversations discuss sexual purity, emotional boundaries and romantic relationships, forgiveness, and turning one's painful negative experiences into an opportunity to empathize and minister to others. His personal school of hard knocks and the Holy Spirit has given him the spiritual insight on these complicated and rarely discussed subjects. He earned a bachelor's degree in communication studies from Arizona State University. Yay to the journalism majors. <laughs> and his friend genres of music and watching sports. But without further ado, I'd like to bring T.J. Hurtado III onto my show discussing a love letter to the ladies. T.J., thank you for being here so much. Well, you're welcome, and thank you very much for the honor and pleasure. I appreciate you, Technicia. You are so welcome, and it's very kind of you. I just love just reading the introduction part. A man who actually sits down and listens to a woman while to bed, any sexual intimacy between the two, that's not the norm. Now, when you usually have a conversation with a man, it always leads to sex. You can't really talk to him while leading to sex. You can't say anything leading to sex. So just to have somebody actually just sit down and listen to you is amazing. Without a woman having the stereotypical 
thing that a man has to be actually gay for him to listen to you because that's the norm too <laughs> with people. Oh, he must be gay. Oh wow! You know, has that mm-hmm. has that been approached to you before by women? That's funny. I actually, I actually have had some people ask me that, and um, and I want to just be a little bit more open and transparent about my recent testimony. I went 18 years without being sexually intimate with a woman. Um, that was from the ages of 21 to 39 years old. And, you know, if people do the research, the actual biological, um, scientific and biological uh, highest point of a man sexually is from the ages of 19 uh, to 32. And so, you know, I, I uh, you know, thank the Lord he carried me through that, you know. But, but no, there were some questions about if, you know, I was, uh, you know, gay. And I'm definitely far from that. Uh, I love women. I think women are amazing. I'm fully attracted to women. And that involves sex, being sexually attracted to women as well. Um, and, uh, but no, God is good. And, and um, he really carried me through uh, those years of purity. And, and my most recent part of my testimony is, you know, even after writing a book, I, I had actually fallen. I had, you know, made a poor choice to begin to compromise those sexual boundaries because of being exhausted. You know, frankly, Technicia Galatians 6, 9 says, do not be weary in doing good for in due season you shall reap a, a harvest. And so, you know, when I reached that 10-year mark, I was like, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I reached that 14-year mark. I'm like, well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. And in the 16-year mark, I'm like, Lord, help me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting older. I want children. I'm getting exhausted here, Lord. And then by the 17, 18 year, I couldn't even thank the Lord anymore about it, to be honest. Like, it was very, um, uh, bur- you know, bur- burdensome. And so, but God is good. Um, he does help us. Um, you know, I, I was gracious mercy um, to, you know, get on, on uh, back on track and do our best to get back on track. And so, um, but I am now in a committed relationship. Um, I am actually engaged. Hallelujah. I've uh, been in a, a committed relationship with a wonderful lady for over a year and one month now. Um, and my most recent testimony, um, and some people may not want to interview me again because I share this, but my most recent testimony is I am a father to a four and a half, soon to be five month old, a boy. And, um, but God is good because see, even after being ordained as a minister, you can still fall. You can still, you're still human. You still have a flesh. And if you don't have those guards up and if you uh, don't have accountability, um, you will find yourself in a tough, you know, spot, a tough situation. So just to be frank and open, you know, with you, technician and the listeners. You know, that's what makes it wonderful. You have to give your story to let people know that you're still normal, that you could fall short of the glory of God. Too. Well, each one of our stories, you know, everybody will think that you probably perfect as ever. That's what makes people encouraged and give them the hope and aspiration to continue on with their life. Somebody got to give their testimony, and that's what you have to do. You have to glorify God. You don't hide them and you mm-hmm. throw them away. You glorify them. So I'm glad you're giving your testimony um, to us. And like I said, I'm glad to have you on, brother. Yes, I am. And people get on my nerves today. You're not my brother. In Christianity and in Lord, we are all brothers and sisters. We are all connected. So if somebody say brother or sister, say, yes, you are. We are. We are sisters and brothers, no matter what race or color that we are. It's just sad that Amen. people don't have that open mind. Um, but when it you when you wrote this book, this wasn't actually your intention to write it. What, what brought you through to 
to come out to the end. Even though you probably had that argument with God, look, God, what's going on? I don't feel like writing it. What made you lower? <laughs> uh, what made, I guess, bow, I guess, I don't want to say bow down to the Lord, but I guess say, okay, look, this is it. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the truth is, um, I wrote the book. Um, well, first of all, I, you're right, Technisha. I did not want to write the book. I actually was uh, arguing with the Lord, if you could, but he always wins overall, you know. And so um, what happened is just being an older brother of three younger sisters, uh, again, being a single brother for, you know, over, you know, 18 years of we have sexual purity and just hearing the frustrations of my sisters and the Lord, um, I just began to write. Uh, and the truth is I thought it was going to be three different books. At one point I got very frustrated with the Lord. I'm like, look, you told me to write a book. Now I feel like I'm writing three different books. And he's like, it's one book. And I remember being at the computer just crying. I was like, thank you, Lord. It is one book. And so, um, but I wrote it um, because I was just tired of hearing the pain and the suffering that my sisters and the Lord were going through, and also the brothers and the Lord, because the book actually applies to the brothers as well. It's the, you know, the book is loaded with the Word of God. I mean, who cares about hearing someone else's opinion? What really matters is what the Word of God says. And so um, I was motivated by writing it uh, just because, you know, I just want to see people be encouraged. I want them, you know, to know what the Word of God said. And, and frankly, the truth is, the church really doesn't talk about sexual purity much. They'll mention it maybe in the middle of a sermon and say, you got to wait till marriage to have sex, and that's it. They won't give the reasons why. They won't give the, even the scriptures and, you know, and so on and so forth. And, and frankly, I partly, you know, I blame the church, but I don't because we as single people, we don't want to hear the truth sometimes. We, we want to just continue to do what the world does and, um, you know, go around and, and just go with the free flow and be accepted by our peers. But the truth is, uh, we know that God has, you know, what's best for us. And so I'm um, not, you know, going into too further. I know you'll probably ask me some more questions about that. But, but yeah, so I wrote the book because I just want to see my sisters and the Lord to really, um, you know, just draw close to the Lord, understand what the Word of God says about sexual purity, which, by the way, it's not only sexual purity. As you mentioned, I do discuss other subjects as well, which we'll get into, of course. You do, and I love the fact that out, outlined in your book, you give scriptures for people to go over and analyze themselves, basically, to reevaluate. I feel like it's a reevaluation of yourself. I definitely love the chapter on reflection. You know, that's a hard topic most of us have to encounter when it comes to forgiveness. Someone does us wrong, mm-hmm. and you, you ponder, why should I forgive you? You keep doing the same thing over and over, over and over. Like you're stabbing a knife into my back, but I should have got to forgive you. And it'd be like, boy, I'm sorry, excuse my mouth, but it'd be like, bullshit. I, why I got to keep forgiving you? You don't want to keep messing up. Like, I don't want to forgive, I don't want to forgive you. But then I go through my personal development and I did this on my calls. You know, it's not for that person, it's for you. And it's still like, what? What you mean it's for me? Because I'm not mm-hmm. one with the issues. So for the ones who are having that issue, TJ, explain it to them all about forgiveness and the path that it leads to not just thinking, okay, I'm a, I'm forgiving that person, so you mean tell me I got to still fool around with you, I got to still deal with you? Because you forgive a person don't mean that you have to take their crap. You you can be like, okay, I forgive you, but now it's time for me to move on to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forgiveness is very powerful. Um, just a little history for me. Um, I discuss it a bit in uh, Chapter 3 in my book. 
about the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, extreme domestic violence, the physical abuse that my father, uh, who was a, a extreme alcoholic back then, did to my mom. And I'd be in the middle of it only, and I remember these things at two, three, and four years old. I know it's wild that I can have a memory like that, but traumatic things like that, you know, do impact a young child that way. And so for me, when I was actually at church, um, i never forget, I saw um, a gentleman with his two sons, and they were in the front. They were worshiping the Lord, lifting up their hands unto the Lord. And I was like, how beautiful. And the Lord's like, you need to forgive your father. And then right away, I was like, how dare you, Lord? Like, how could you even tell me to forgive my father? You know the pain and suffering he's caused to my mom and my family and my little sister and I. And I was like, I can't believe you wouldn't suggest anything like that. And he's like, well, haven't I forgiven you for all the things you've done? And I was like, wow, Lord, I was like, you got me there. I was like, because I had done a lot of things at 19 years old when I got saved, you know, um, the Lord confronted me, I think I was 20, uh, when he was talking to me uh, about forgiving. I had done a lot of things and hurt some people some really messed up ways. And so um, I was like, all right, Lord. And he's like, remember, you know, Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, you know, if you don't forgive others, you know, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. And so... um, so first, biblically speaking and scripturally speaking, we should forgive. But the reason why the Lord wants us, and you hit it, you hit on it, it's because he wants us to forgive others for our own self. Because, see, we can sit there, we can be harboring, you know, this unforgiveness and bitterness and, and resentfulness to other people. And that person's out, like, living their life. It was like five years ago they hurt us, and they don't even remember. They're just, like, living their life and having a good old time. And, and we're sitting here still holding on to that. And so when we forgive, it's really empowering ourselves. It gives us freedom. It gives us liberty and in our emotions and our mind. And I'll tell you, when I forgave my father, it was an amazing thing, um, you know, to be able to be free. Um, I called him up. You know, what happened is my sister, uh, you know, had a relationship with him, and she was telling me how, how good, you know, how good of a guy he is and how cool he is. And I started to get a little enviousness, you know, in a good way to know him. And so I called him up. And I asked him, you know, if you'd forgive me and for holding bitterness and resentfulness to him. And and he was like, okay, mijo. And then I hung up the phone because I, you know, still was, you know, unsure about trusting him. And then um, what ended up happening is about, I want to say, six months later, um, he called me up on my birthday, my 21st birthday. And I'll never forget that um, because when I saw the caller ID, I was like, oh, you know, he's calling me. And he was the first one to call me to say happy birthday. And that meant the world to me. And by the way, you know, a relationship with a son and father is so important. And, you know, and I know there's even some male listeners that be listening and, you know, God, you know, wants to heal you from the hurt that you've dealt with from your father. And also for the daughter, the sisters in law the daughters, the fathers. And I get into that uh, in my book as well. But what happened is I asked him, you know, after he came over and he helped me mow the lawn, my grandmother's lawn, he's like, you want to go out to lunch? I was like, sure. And so we were having lunch, Technicia, and what happened is I asked him, so let me ask you, um, Dad, have you ever accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And he looked at me, and his eyes began to water, and he pointed to his arm. He has goosebumps. He's like, yeah. He's like, um, when I was at work, my coworker was talking to me about Jesus, and I prayed with him to receive him as my Savior. And I was like, how long ago was that? And he was like, about six months ago. And if you put it together, it was around the same time I actually called him and asked him to forgive me, and, I, and told him I forgave him. And so that shows the power of forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Oh, CJ, that is, honey, if that's not powerful, I don't know what is. But is there a difference, CJ, between forgiveness and reconciliation? 
Uh, yes, there is, because, see, the truth is, um, and that's the other thing I forgot to uh, answer as well, um, you don't have to, like, if you forgive somebody, you don't have to continue to have a relationship with them. Um, because I don't believe if somebody is continuing to be abused, whether it be physically, emotionally, spiritually, verbally, whatever, financially abused, um, that you have to continue to have a relationship with them. Forgiveness is about having actually appropriate boundaries with yourself and with God um, and, and with others. And so reconciliation um, definitely is a big difference because that person that you're reconciling with, um, they have to be healthy as well, like at least somewhat healthy in order for you to really, you know, continue a relationship with them or have a relationship with them again. Or let's say in my circumstances where I need to forgive my grandfather, because I talk about it also in Chapter 3 where I was exposed to pornography by my grandfather at only seven years old, and that did a really lot of damage uh, to to me. And I even to this day uh, have temptation, you know, with lust and looking at pornography. But I want to testify that it's been over a year and a month since I looked at, you know, pornography, glory to God. And, um, you know, I don't want to go back there. But but what the point I'm making is my grandfather had passed away when I was 14 years old before I came to start a relationship with Jesus. And so in order for me to really have that closure, I wrote a letter to him, if you will. And then I just, you know, burned the letter. And so, you know, again, reconciliation is different. You don't have to put yourself, you know, in a, a really um, horrible abusive relationship or continue to remain in an abusive relationship um, to forgive someone. You can forgive someone and move on. And that's very important to know you know, know that. And that, that's having appropriate boundaries and actually loving oneself as you would love your neighbors as Jesus said to do. Did I lose you there, Technisha? Are you still there? <laughs> oh, I, I am. I didn't know. I was still on mute. Lord, how much forgive me, TJ. But people That's okay. Just I just wanted to. to... <laughs> <laughs> um, but to me, it, it's possible for forgiveness to occur in our relationship with God, apart from inaction with the person who sinned against us. And, I mean, there are so many reasons why we might not be able to speak with that person and extend that forgiveness. But like you, like TJ said, forgiveness is different for, from reconciliation. Um, and, and, and reconciliation to me, it depends with another person. It also depends upon the, the attitude and actually the one who actually sins. So, when it comes to forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, I know it, it's hard, it's hard, but it's a process that we have to go through. Um, but I, I would like to probably ask this, and then I'm going to get off the top of forgiveness, but I would like to know this, TJ. How does one process through forgiving those who who have hurt them deeply? Because that's a big, that's a big issue. How do you go through that process? Well, you know, it does take time. It does. I'll admit that. And what I mean by that is the Lord was loving and patient with me. I mean, he allowed me to know him for six months before he confronted me about, you know, my unforgiveness towards my father. And so I got to know, you know, my heavenly father's love at least for six months in my relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And of course, the Holy Spirit living in me. And so frankly, it takes the Holy Spirit's strength. It takes God's strength because you know what? There are things that some of our listeners have gone through that are even, you know, worse than I've gone through. You know, I know we all have gone through our own suffering and pain, and um, but 
but, you know, there are some things that are really heavy, you know, where people, uh, okay, I'll just get as transparent as I can be or, or get more, get specific, but there are some people who have been sexually abused by a relative, and that's very, very hard for people to forgive because, you know, when you're a little kid and you're exposed, um, you know, say to pornography or sexually abused, um, that you're supposed to be able to trust that person. And so when you've been hurt that severely, um, it takes the Holy Spirit and also even takes even some ministers, some good sisters in the Lord. If you're a sister in the Lord, you can confide in. Um, even a brother in the Lord, you can confide into another brother in the Lord. And some prayer, um, deep prayer with the Lord. Also understanding that you don't know where that family member who did to what they did to you, you don't know where they're coming from. They may be repeating the behavior. Maybe they were abused too at, you know, at their young age. But, but the thing is, it does take a process, as you mentioned, Technicia, um, you know, and also it does take the, the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit to forgive. Um, you know, it is a choice though. I do want to, you know, I don't want to make it too heavy, but it is actually a choice as well. And so, um, and just again, and this is why I want to, what, how, what helps me I think of Jesus on the cross. I think of Yeshua, Jesus, the one who had never, ever sinned, never did anything wrong to anyone. If you read throughout the gospel, um, I mean, my goodness, he would heal everyone that would come to him. When he lost his cousin, John the Baptist, uh, when John the Baptist was beheaded, he wanted to go and isolate himself on a mountain to pray and to mourn. And they found him. The people found him. And he stopped his time of mourning and he saw, you know, compassion on them because they, he saw that they were like a sheep without a shepherd and he began to minister to him. And then, you know, Jesus also confronted the religious leaders, those who are in power of the day, uh, confronted them on their hypocrisy, on them manipulating the people for money and control and power and fame. And so Jesus did everything righteous and, and, and just, and he had a pure and loving heart because he was God in the flesh. And yet what did they do to him? They crucified him. They, before he crucified him, they beat him up. They whipped him with the cat of nine tails. I mean, he was, if you ever seen that movie, The Passion, I mean, that's a good example of how, you know, extreme physical and even the psychological and mental torment that they put him through before he even was on the cross. And then yet when he was on the cross, what did Jesus say? Forgive them for they not, know not what they do. And so that's the heart of God. And so I just want to encourage you, brother and sister and Lord, if you're having a hard time to forgive um, remember that Jesus will give you the strength to forgive that person. And another thing I want to not forget to mention, at least for me, one of the most difficult things, the most, uh, the most difficult persons, if you will, to forgive is myself. So there's people who actually have a hard time forgiving yourself. And I just want to point out this. If God has forgiven you for your sins, uh, who are you to make yourself bigger than God and you can't forgive yourself? So remember that the Lord will give you the strength to also forgive yourself. It's so important to you. That's right, but are there any dangers for a lack of forgiveness? Say that. What was the next question? Um, are there any dangers for a lack of forgiveness? Are you risking anything when you're not, when you don't forgive? Oh, yes. Your, your, it affects your spiritual health. It affects your physical health, whether you realize it or not. Um, there's actually been evidence, um, you know, uh, scientific evidence that if you don't forgive others and if you withhold that bitterness, that it affects your physical health in different ways. I'm not, I haven't read, I haven't read the, the article recently, but I know it does affect your physical health in different ways. Um, spiritually speaking, I already told you, if you don't forgive others and yourself, 
it says our Heavenly Father will not forgive us. And so without forgiveness, you know, unfortunately, we will be separated from God for, forever. And we don't want to spend our, you know, eternity in hell. I mean, just to be frank with you, I, I know I don't. Uh, but the good news is God has made a way for us, you know, and he loves us so much. That's why Jesus came. Um, also, um, I would say it does affect the way that we relate with our personal relationships with one another. If you bring unforgiveness into a, a romantic relationship, oh, my goodness, there are mm-hmm. brothers in the Lord who have been hurt. There are sisters in the Lord who have been hurt uh, by their past relationship, and they haven't forgiven that person, and they bring it into the next relationship. And before you know it, this Ooh. person that you're cur- in a current relationship with who is doing their best to love you and minister to you in, a, you know, in, in your romantic marriage, all of a sudden you're taking out your frustration out on this person uh, because you haven't forgiven the other person <laughs> in your prior relationship Why? or relationship. So, yes, yeah, so I would say that definitely would have an impact um, in those areas. Well, well, I will have to agree with that. You're bringing your bitterness into that into that relationship and oftentimes we don't we don't know it but holding that grudge and not forgiving it, it suffocates you and it never liberates yep. you as a person choosing to hold a grudge it's, it's tremendously powerful people don't understand that and what you're actually doing when you're not forgiving that person all you're doing is letting that other person emotions they're not even there but they can control you they can control mm-hmm. you spiritually and mentally and people don't understand that but how because you never forgave them, you got to move on. And I, we do a lot of that on our personal development calls. Um, we do them at 7 o'clock now in the morning. But we talk about that, and one young lady was like, she had to learn how to forgive her stepfather and move on because she did not know how mm-hmm. mentally it was draining her and having that control over her. It does. It makes you not trust other yep. people. you always wondering. It puts me in the mind of that movie Tyler Perry did, a family reunion, and she couldn't forgive her mm-hmm. mom. So when the guy took her kids out to go get ice cream, she exploded on him. What you doing? Those are my kids. You don't do that. Because mm-hmm. she didn't know how to forgive what her mother did. So she had to finally break it down. That's forgiveness. Oh, that's really powerful. But you spoke a little bit on intimacy, and I, I want to get into that. What exactly is intimacy? Because we, when you say intimacy, people think it was only the word sex. But I know it's a little bit more deeper than that, TJ. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because when it comes to intimacy, Technicia, women usually have a little bit more uh, insight of what true intimacy is. We as men tend to get more focused on the physical. And, and the truth is a lot of it is our society's fault because, you know, we, we use the word, you know, were, were you intimate with that person? You know, when we say intimate, we're, we're talking about, you know, sexual interaction usually. But I would like to go to uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Uh, on the definition of intimacy, and it says something of a personal or private nature. Um, now, if you look further at the root of intimacy, uh, which is intimate, it gives two fascinating definitions for the verb intimate. Uh, one, to make known, especially publicly or formally. Uh, two, to communicate delicately and indirectly. Uh, but be patient with me here. Let's look at the definition of intimate as an adjective. Uh, one, intrinsic, essential. Uh, belonging to or characterizing one's deepest nature. Uh, two, marked by very close association, contact, or familiarity. Uh, three, marked by a warm friendship developing through long association, suggesting a form of warmth or privacy. And four, of a very personal or private nature. And okay, now is the definition, uh, here is the definition of intimate as a noun, a very close friend or confident. Now, of all those things I just gave the definition of, 
uh, technicia, nothing mentions anything about physical touch or sexual expression, which is very interesting. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and so, true intimacy is something that we in the American culture have a hard time with. Um, I actually want to share something um, with uh, recently about a gentleman that actually read my book uh, recently, um, and he was just sharing with me. We were having lunch, and um, before he read my book, he was telling me that he has had definitely a, a sexually promiscuous lifestyle, um, and he's you know made a recent commitment to the Lord to you know give that to the Lord. And he was just sharing with me that one of the things and reasons why um, he has he's done this is believe this or not he's actually told me he's never been in a romantic relationship with a woman before and when he said that it kind of threw me off i was like wait a minute so you've been very sexually promiscuous you had sex with many different women but you've never been in a romantic committed relationship with women you never had a girlfriend before and he was like yes and so i got it i was like well this is exactly what i'm talking about in my book because you can be you can be like intimate with someone emotionally and psychologically, and spiritually, and intellectually, and sense of humorly, if you will, um, without even being physically or sexually intimate with them. And so that's really what true intimacy is, because this young man never experienced that before. And he even told me that he was afraid of commitment because it makes him have to be intimate, emotionally vulnerable with a woman, you know. And so, so these are the things that we're, we're missing, because in American culture, we immediately – do the first thing, which is a physical attraction, and then next you know someone is dating and courting, and they've only been together for a week or two, and they already had sex, and then before you know it, two months later, you realize I don't like this person. We don't have enough in common, or uh, we just bump heads too much, or you know whatever the case may be, and then next you know you're breaking up and you're moving on, and and so that's the problem uh, with you know American society, and and I would say really even in the Christian culture is that um, we tend to do dating the same way. Um, that the world does, and we need to have those boundaries to protect ourselves. And also, I'm kind of getting into my next kind of chapter, but also to protect your future spouse. Because, you know, I I know I wouldn't appreciate it if I knew that my, you know, let's say future wife is out there and, and she's, you know, dating, but she doesn't have physical boundaries. And, you know, by the time we get married, she's been with 10 different men. And, you know, and that just breaks my heart because, you know, I know I would want to do my best to stay pure for my future wife. And so anyway, but yeah, that's, that's what I would talk. That's what I would mention in regards to intimacy. Why? And I was, your chapter and eternal intimacy brings true harmony. And as you mentioned, because it's, it's deeper, the intimacy is between that other person. What you come to communicate, whatever the relationship actually is, that's what the intimacy is. But, the word intimacy, it is just like you said it. It's into me, you see. Into me. You're yep. looking at me. <laughs> You're going inside me. We know to yep. take the word intimacy and put it into this. So that's the way America um, has um, gave the definition to the word now. So they run with everything. Everything has been misinformed and took upon ourselves to say whatever we need, but you guys, you really have to get more deeper into this book. I can't give you all details, but Chapter 4 is powerful, just like Chapter 3. All of it is good. All of it coincides with one another. It's like you can't have one without the other, understanding everything. Everything is so transparent in this book. But what part of us does the Bible say 
we should guard most of all. And why? How do we guard it? Yes. Well, I know that we um, we yes, the heart. Yep, and and we all know, you know, the scripture. I mean, we hear about it, you know, a lot, and uh, we must guard our heart. And I'm gonna go ahead and actually read. Let me see here. I want to make sure that I actually read the exact verse I'm looking for. Here we go. Um, If you go to Proverbs four, verse twenty-three, says, "Guard your heart." Above, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And um, the heart is so precious. It's really where all of our decision-making, a lot of our decision-making and our passion comes from. I know that the battle, you know, is in the mind, but the bottom line is whatever we really meditate on uh, in our mind drops down to our heart. And once we have it in our heart, uh, we're going to take action. And so uh, we absolutely must guard our heart at all times uh, because, again, you know, I don't know about you, but, like, it also says, I'm trying to remember, I think it's in Proverbs as well, it says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. So our heart can really direct us and guide us in ways that that we don't want to be and in positions and situations we don't want to be in. Um, You know, I'll tell you, I'm a very passionate person. I can't help it. I mean, my, you know, ethnic background, um, you know, is Italian, uh, Native American, Spanish, and Portuguese, and I have a little bit of Mali uh, African in me. So there's a lot of passion in me uh, just speaking culturally, you know, being. And so um, I have to learn how to control my heart and my emotions. Um, And that's something that we have to be on guard for because think about it. I mean, if we continue to just let anyone enter our heart and we just let them, you know, run amok, if you will, uh, you know, and, and allow us to feel like, you know, some people speak life, some people speak death. And so, you know, if we don't guard our heart, uh, before you know it, we're believing what they speak over us. And that's something that we, we got to be careful of, um, you know, and understand that God wants us to guard our heart because obviously it, it, it's what motivates us, um, you know. And so I discussed that a little bit more in detail in our heart. Um, also, I did, I know I'm kind of going a little further, but I'll, I'll just stop there and I'll let you go ahead and go to your next question. No, that doesn't bother me. I like I'm I'm thankful for the fact that you're going in detail with us. Not giving us too much, but just enough. And you'll find that in Chapter 6, talking about the heart, and especially with the rib, you know, that's always been talked about, the rib case for me protecting the heart and yes. the laws of men to protect her. So, I mean, I know I'm glad you're going to detail. I don't mind at all. Um, you, you talk about the amazing age. The amazing age. Yes. Um, what are the amazing age? Hallelujah. It's funny because Technicia, the amazing age is something that kind of just happened. I didn't plan on, you know, all of a sudden think of these words that all start with the letter A, but they're the emotion, emotional needs. And what I do, what I talk about and discuss uh, particularly in talking to my sisters and the Lord, daughters of the Most High Father. Um, but it does apply to the sons uh, of fathers as well. And so the amazing A's are the emotional, relational, physical, and psychological needs that ultimately come from our Almighty Father. Remember, we're made in His image. And so God, we got to remember, He has actually feelings and emotions as well. And so, um, you know, these A's include attachment, affection, acceptance, attention, 
admiration, appreciation, and affirmation. And I want to read a little bit, you know, from my book, if I may, beginning with the attachment. Now, for all human beings, physical life begins when a baby is conceived. When we grow, we are automatically protected by our mother's womb. We are connected or attached by the umbilical cord to our mother. Wherever she goes, we go. Whatever she eats, we eat. Whatever she hears, we hear. Whenever she feels pain, we know it. We are attached. As a full-term baby, we're in a womb for nine months. Now, if there was ever an example of all of us being attached to someone, there it is. From the beginning of our life process, we are attached to our mother. We have a natural human desire and need to be attached to somebody. So let's look at the word attached in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. One definition is to bind by personal ties as affection or sympathy. Another definition is to make fast as by tying or gluing. The first definition from Merriam-Webster's dictionary uses the word affection. This is another A word that we will review along with the word attachment. Let's break down the word attachment or attached from God's word. Using Strong's Concordance of the Bible, Let's look up the word attached, and attached is used in the New King James Version for the first time in Genesis 29, 34, and the word attached in English means joined, and in Hebrew, lavah. Lavah means the following when its definition is further translated, to join, be joined, uh, to join, be joined, attend, to join oneself, be joined onto. Uh, so you can see, and it also says to adhere, to be joined closely to anyone. So you're hearing a lot of joined and affection and attachment. It's funny that these are kind of connected because, see, for us, we naturally, as a young, you know, child, need that attachment and that affection from our heavenly, well, from our father, our earthly fathers and our uh, earthly mothers. But if we are lacking that, especially from an earthly father, what happens is this. Uh, a lady is always looking for these emotional needs to be met, and so is a man. But I just want to warn you, ladies, that when you're emotionally vulnerable, and let's say that you are lacking uh, some attention or appreciation, uh, which are other amazing A's, there's always going to be a man that is able to read your emotional neediness. And men are naturally able to, to sense that in a woman. And unfortunately, not all men have good agendas and good intentions. And so that's where even some of you, as I'm speaking right now, you know what I'm talking about. You were taken advantage of. Uh, you thought this man was going to be your future husband. He would go to church with you. He would even pray with you. But the reality is, is he only wanted one thing, and after a couple months, maybe only after a couple weeks, he left you. And so that's not the intentions of our Father. Our Father wants you to have the emotional needs met in a healthy and appropriate way. Um, and, of course, that's, you know, by having good sisters in the Lord, good brothers in the Lord that don't try to make a sexual move on you, even maybe some older brothers in the Lord and sisters in the Lord that are like we call mama and papa in the church. You know, where I go to church, which, by the way, is Kingdom of Valley Christian Church with Pastor Reginald Kelly Steele, I thank the Lord that I have some, you know, uh, spiritual mamas and fathers. I can go and give them a hug, you know what I mean, and, and not worry about, you know, uh, them doing anything inappropriate or anything like that or have – uh, any self, you know, uh, selfish intentions. So, you know, again, we need these emotional, uh, these amazing A's, these emotional needs, because uh, there's simply the way we're made. God wants us to have these emotional needs met. Uh, we just have to make sure, again, going back to guarding our heart uh, and, and being careful uh, when it does involve, you know, interpersonal relationships with people uh, that potentially could be a romantic, you know, relationship. So. Exactly. And people do play off your um, vulnerability, they will. That's why a lot of women mm-hmm. do have more. I feel like we as women have more interest 
the issues and anything because you have went through that. I went through that myself, Father, the uh, abuse and everything mentally, and it, it, it plays on you. Um, and people, when you tell your issue to others, you're thinking they're actually listening, but they instead of doing the same exact thing, and I had a lady on my show, um, that, oh, that was probably a year ago when I had I met her mm-hmm. at a women's expo, and her book was about her getting pregnant and everything, how the man treated her mm-hmm. so badly, going to another man, saying he's going to do her better, and, and he didn't. You think because, oh, I told him about my issue, you know what I'm going through, no, they'd be the same mm-hmm. one. That's why you do have to find yourself love in your one-on-one relationship with God because people do play on your emotions. It's sad that people do that, but that's that's what it is. But there are some amazing aids that have worked for you, um, I'm sure. So what are some of those that you receive in the past in the present, and which ones you did not receive or do you feel you are currently lacking at the moment, TJ? Well, you know, I have to give honor where honor is due, and I'm very grateful for my mom. Um, she did her best as a single mother, you know, and one thing that she always, you know, showed me was affection and um, and acceptance. And she also spoke, you know, uh, admiration to me. You know, she spoke those words of uh, admiration and encouraging me to do well in school. And, like, if anybody would make fun of me, I'd tell her, and she would turn it around, you know. Uh, for example, you know, my uncle used to give me a hard time because I have a big head, literally a big physical head. And he would call me Chewbacca and stuff like that and just give me a hard time. And my mom would be like, it's okay, mijo. You know, he's just jealous because when, you're, when your uncle, my other uncle, when he, when he passed away, he, the Lord left you his brains. So you have a bigger head because you have bigger brains. <laughs> More, you're smart. You're smart. That's why. So, you know, she would just turn it around that way. Um, but things like that, you know, were, were very important to me, and they still are. Um, I would say um, – Personally, transparent, to be transparent, uh, emotional aids, and I feel maybe I'm lacking. Um, well, I, I, I'm sure you've heard, Technicia, of the wonderful book by Dr. Gary Chapman, uh, A Love Letter to, or excuse me, A Love Letter to, uh, uh, The Five Love Languages. And um, he talks about one of the love languages being words of affirmation. And so for me, I, I'm big on that. And so I'm in a relationship, and I have a really strong um, Christian, uh, you know, fiance. So she's not going to get upset by me sharing this, but I'm in a relationship with someone who's not really strong on giving words of affirmation. So that's not her love language. And so for me, what the Lord's been dealing with me is saying, look, she may not be strong in words of affirmation, but she's strong in other areas in her, the way she expresses her love to you. He's like, and honestly, he's like, I can give you those words of affirmation. I can give those directly to you while you spend time with me in the secret place of the Most High in prayer. I give you those words of affirmation very clearly in the Word of God. Um, you know, I mean, it's very clear, especially if uh, you read John chapter 14 through 17, those chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, I'll tell you, amazing words of affirmation from the Lord and showing how much he loves us. Also, Isaiah 43 um, talks about where he even says I love you um, and then also another thing is that through the church through bodies in Christ the, you know the body of Christ the members brothers and sisters in the Lord they give I if you I, at least I give God the glory for it I'm thankful but I hear words of affirmation and encouragement uh, and admiration for my brothers and sisters in the Lord at church and so um, so yeah so I would say that although I am lacking it in my romantic relationship the Lord gives it to me in other areas, and I'm thankful for that. And it doesn't mean that my fiancé never, 
you know, will never get there. Um, you know, it's just I need to lead by example, and if I'm big on words of affirmation um, and admiration, I need to speak those over her. And, you know, and then, of course, in due time, she may begin to learn how to do that and, and speak those back over, you know, to me. Um, but, yeah, so that would be my answer. Well, I love that answer. It takes time and, oh, a lot of work when you're talking about building a relationship. <laughs> and a man or woman should come between that bond. But I love that the fact, you know, you have to, even though you're not there yet, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to keep pushing you and getting you there. It takes time. I'm not going to leave your side. I didn't hear you one time say, I'm going to leave you because you're not where I need you to be. No, that's not how it works. Wow. We do that then there would not be any relationship problems going on. You, <laughs> you can't make that so true. something that you try. I think that's where a lot of relationships go wrong, too, CJ. A lot of times we try to build people up to our standards. Okay. That's one mistake that you will ruin the whole relationship. But wow. when it comes to identity. You, um, yes. Oh, go ahead. I, was, I just wanted I to add, add to something else. Thank you. Yes, it, if I just may add something else, my fiance, all right, if she held me to the level of how I was holding her uh, at the beginning of our relationship, kind of like the first, I want to say, three to nine months, then I'd be in trouble because, see, she's a very forgiving and patient person. Um, I have issues, you know, and one of the things that we talk about, this is very, I'm going to be real and transparent like I always am, um, I commu- I actually graduated, as you mentioned earlier, from Arizona State University with my communication studies degree. And one of the things that we are supposed to do very well is active, uh, be an active listener. And she's confronted me at times where I'm not actively listening. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, I still miss the mark. And, and the thing is, too, let's just get real now. After 18 years of not being in a, in a you know, uh, committed relationship, and then I was very briefly for like three months, you know, you know, uh, for before I met uh, my fiance over a year ago, um, you know, and then she was uh, not in a relationship for over five years. When you have two single people all of a sudden trying to go into a relationship after many years of being single, it's very challenging because mm-hmm. see, we've gotten this lifestyle mentality where everything really evolves around us or our children, you know, if we, you know, we're single mothers or single fathers. And so what happens is it's very hard to bring in all of a sudden this transition where you have to think of another person, because of course, when we first get in a relationship, we put on this, you know, facade, if you will, our perfect self, but then eventually we can't hide that, you know, our flaws, if you will, and our uh, mishaps and, um, you know, our challenges. And so, therefore, if there is not, here we go again, forgiveness and grace, like the Lord shows us, then there's, there's trouble. I mean, because let's get real, when you're a single person, really the closest relationship you should ever have uh, is with the Lord. And so, when we're with the Lord, we're dealing with someone who's perfect. You know, we're dealing with someone who is loving and gracious and forgiving to us and provides for us and is patient with us and, um, but also at the same time brings conviction to us, you know, and guides us and disciplines us and directs us. And all of a sudden we're, we're getting involved in a relationship with somebody that's imperfect like us. And sometimes we hold um, that person to almost want to be like Jesus. And that's where we got to watch out because that becomes idolatry. And it's very unfair to the person that you're in a relationship with. They'll hold them to, to that level to think that they're going to be 
perfect like Jesus is, you know. But I know we don't do that, like, necessarily intentionally, but we do that subconsciously, and it's not fair. And so I just want to add that, that we have to be careful and be aware that, you know, um, when we get in a relationship, it does take work, and it does take the grace and forgiveness of the Lord. Exactly. Well, well put. I have had this discussion um, numerous times about identity, even when it comes to identity, sometimes it's not who we think we are as far as, like, I know I'm a mom, a sister, an aunt, but just sitting down, actually knowing who your true self is, why is it so important, you think, TJ, to just know your own identity? Absolutely. I Actually, if I may want to start out um, this answer with reading uh, the first paragraph of Chapter 7 of my book. As a woman, do you base your identity on how you were treated in your past relationships? Do you determine your worth based on being a good mother or on your desire to have children? How about on what society or the media defines as a successful woman? What about the influence of how your parents raised you and what their expectations of you were? How about this one? If I get a good God-fearing man who will treat me right and give me the respect that I have always desired and deserve as a daughter of the Most High Father, I will have my true identity? Well, I have some bad news for you. Even though it is a very good thing to desire a husband who is a godly man, if you are basing your identity on your relationship with him, you're in for a rude awakening. No other person determines your identity. And actually, I want to continue, if I may. The best example of identity is in the story of Jesus' identity as the Son of God being tested by Satan. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11 states, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Now look at verse 2. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. The devil came to Jesus after he had been fasting from food for 40 days and 40 nights. The devil came to tempt him when he was weak. If the devil will tempt the king of kings and the lord of lords with the imitation of what the father had in store, he will tempt you or us too. So um, just think about identity. Is this? He was saying if. He kept even you know, talking. Like if you go down to verse 3, the tempter came and said to him, if, if you are the son of God, don't become bread. See, the devil was even question, having Jesus question his identity. And so if he was questioning and trying to put doubt in the Son of God's heart and mind, then, of course, he's going to come after us. And so what I want to say is this. Everybody that's listening, if you've been going to church, all right, for many years, but let's say you've never started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got to do that now. Uh, it's not about going to church. It's not about, 
you know, uh, how often you go to church to worship and being a part of community and so on and so forth. It's first having a relationship with Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. So I want to say that first. Um, secondly, identity is so important because, see, we are constantly being challenged about our identity. I mean, look at the culture today. My goodness, Technicia. I mean, that's what it's really all about. We have the media, um, the the college system right now, the, the education, uh, you know, the universities, they're, they're really having us question our identity. They're, they're even questioning if we – now they don't even call the genders male and female. Now they're trying to say there's more to male and, more male than female. I mean, my goodness. And then you have – and you see the results, unfortunately. You have people who, who are born physically with a reproductive male organ that are now changing themselves and call themselves uh, female, and you have vice versa happening. I mean, I, we have an identity crisis in our nation. It's a very serious thing. And what it comes down to is partly it is the church's fault. Uh, we got to make sure that people are genuinely knowing how much God loves them and how much he wants them to know their identity. Because if you know uh, whose you are, who you are and whose you are, as Pastor Reginald still says at my church, then, then you're going to be ready to, to, you know, be tempted with that when the devil comes and starts putting doubts in your mind about who your identity is and, uh, you know, what you, uh, who you are, uh, then you'll be able to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, and, you know, I want to say this. There are some sisters and brothers in the Lord who are listening today or will listen later that your identity has been attacked and it's and part of it is because you've been hurt again and you've been hurt by let's say a relative when you were a young kid uh even your father speaking bad words over you your mother saying you won't you're not going to be anything you're going to be a failure or even past romantic relationships um you know you were hurt you were promised things that you know never came to be and you wrapped your identity into your relationships with either your mother or father or your former romantic partner. And I just want to let you know that the Lord desires to heal you, and he, has, he does have the best for you, and he loves you so much. And so just know that your identity is in your relationship with him and him alone, and you can make it through all those tempting uh, ifs, if you will, that the devil comes with. Thank you, Brother TJ, for that. I'm hoping somebody got that word today, received it, we're going to bestow that upon you today, that word. Um, and like you said, going think about the churches, you know, they have to get back to the fact of Christ and stop with all the courts you're trying to keep up all the trends and stuff. Let's get back to the main root of it all. Um, that's why I believe that we have a lot of identity crisis, especially amongst the church itself. Um, but what I want to ask is, TJ, what does, let me talk about the Most High Father and just being the daughter of the Most High Father, what what does that mean? Yes, the daughter of the Most High Father. I'll tell you, it's, it's really amazing, actually. Um, think about this. I mean, God, who always was and always will, who always was and always is and always will be, he sits upon the throne, and he sent his son who was with him the whole time, helped create the earth, you know, and everything in it. Um, and he, again, he was perfect and pure and holy, and he sends him down to the earth for for just to, unfortunately, the whole, well, thank the Lord, actually, I should say, fortunately, it was for the main purpose was for us, you know, to die on the cross for our sins and to raise again from the dead 
to show that we can have a life, you know, eternal life and have a life more abundantly. And so the fact that our Heavenly Father would send his only begotten son just for you, my sister, all right, so you can have a relationship with him shows that you are the daughter of the Most High Father. There's some scriptures um, in the epistles where Paul talks about that we are made we sit in heavenly places. We are made the heirs, H-E-I-R-S. That actually shows kingdom. It's like we are a princess, you know, uh, with our Father in heaven. And so if you are precious in the sight of the Lord, you are a daughter of the Most High Father. And so if that's the case, that's where identity comes in. You know who you are. And so that means when you have a joker that's coming up to you trying to make a move and you can sense that he has, you know, bad intentions, then don't even waste your time with them, <laughs> you know? But at the same time, uh, we may have some super high expectations. And sisters, if you've been single for 15 years and you keep rejecting a guy because he's not six foot four and he's five foot 10, hey, at least that five foot 10 guy loves the Lord. He's responsible. He has a job. He, you know, you see that he's certainly, you know, serving the Lord and he has, you know, seems like he has good intentions. And so if he has a good reputation, give that, that five foot 10 guy an opportunity. <laughs> But the point I'm making is knowing that you're the daughter of the Most High Father will allow you to not compromise. It will also let you know, it will also give you the confidence to be able to have those boundaries uh, in your romantic relationships, uh, you know, and, and let men know straight up, hey, I want to let you know, I actually have a high expectation of myself because I love my father. I have a personal relationship with my father. I'm the Most High, I'm the daughter of the Most High Father. And so when we get into this romantic relationship, I have physical boundaries and I'm comfortable with let's say, giving you a hug and, and giving you a kiss, but no heavy kissing, no, you know, heavy petting or massaging and stuff, because we know darn well that as single brothers and sisters and Lord, we still have this flesh, and there's certain boundaries that once we start crossing, we're going to end up having premarital sex, we're going to fornicate. I mean, look at me, right? Look at me after 18 years of having a successful, uh, if you will, um, sexual life of being, you know, pure before the Lord, even after being ordained as a minister, I fell, all right? And now I have a soon-to-be five-month-old son. And now I'm not regretting my son. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. And I'm not regretting the relationship I have with my fiance. I'm blessed. She's a wonderful woman. But what I'm saying is there are consequences if we don't know whose we are, who we are, and you are the daughter of the Most High Father. So remember that. That's right. And then, guys, I say we are all his children. TJ, you speaking it, and I'm hoping somebody, like I say, is re- grabbing this and, and receiving it. Um, and please, you can always, even if you don't call in, even because we're getting short on time, just email me. I would be glad to give you questions out to TJ. But before I leave you, what would you say to a sister or even a brother in Christ who has been abstaining from sex until marriage for a long time, but is beginning to feel worry and is preparing to give? and compromise their sexual integrity. Sure. Sister, hold on. Brother, hold on. Just trust me. It's not worth, (laughs) it's not worth compromising. Um, Yeah, my fiance and I made it to a year and a month, but I'm telling you right now, whoa, it has been very, very, I mean, if we, she would agree, it's been a bit of hell on earth for us. We, the fact that we're still together is a miracle of the Lord because he, we we went way too fast. And I know some of you already noticed you've gone through it, but we went way too fast. And it, and it's certainly not worth going through that because the truth is when you keep and you hold your, onto your, your physical boundaries, it allows you to be able to protect not only yourself, 
but also your future spouse. I can tell you right now, for those who are getting exhausted and tired of waiting, remember that you have your future wife or your future husband that is just waiting and praying for you and, and hoping that you'll wait. It will be worth it. It will be so worth the wait. Um, just hold on because most importantly, the word of God says so, and God will honor you. He will bless you for that. Um, and, and just, you know, certainly just be strong. You know, the way, the way I did it for 18 years is I just stayed really close to the Lord, prayed, you know, worshiped him, you know, that personal one-on-one -on -one time and also accountability. Don't forget to be accountable with somebody that can call you on things and, and really confront you on things and keep you accountable. Also, Technisha, when you're ready, if I would, I would like to be able to leave my website where people can find my book. I haven't had an opportunity to do that. Just let me know when I'm able to do that. Yes, I'll be glad because that's exactly what I was going to ask. Thank you. Okay. Um, you can go to my website and find my book, A Love Letter to the Ladies, A Single Christian Man's Perspective. And that website is like if I'm telling you a secret, it's tell of his joy dot com. So it's T is in Tom, E is in Eternity, L L, O S is in Forever, H I S is in Savior, J O Y dot com. Tell of his joy dot com. You can also email me there. Um if you have any questions or prayer requests, please do so. Uh you can also read um the introduction for free on my on my website and also you can read I think there's six or seven reviews of different ladies of different age groups who have read my book and how it's touched their lives, their testimonies. Uh so I appreciate you guys giving me this time today. Thank you, Technisha. I appreciate you. I definitely I definitely appreciate you and I I definitely love the fact in your book, you know, you, you speak on the um message, you know, when God provides he provides. He's not going to leave you hanging. You don't have to worry about that. He's going he's gonna to plenish anything that you want in your life. And like I tell most people, when you are talking about God and you're looking for your soulmate or whoever you're looking for, you have to ask God for that. Ask God to send that person to you in your life. Because if you go out there and look for it, it's going to be messy. It's not going to be what you want. It's going to be real messy and you're going to hate it. I don't like to use the word hate, but that's what you you are not going to like it at all. You got to go out there. You got to be patient and slow down. First, get yourself together before you even get in a mixed uh, relationship and mess up someone else's life and add on to them, all that bitterness. But I want to leave this with um, everyone who's listening. You know, I got to give my tip of the day for my friend Mary Ellen. She's also a guest on my show. Seek opportunities to help others. As you devote time and energy to help the others, you will begin to feel less helpless, depressed, or overwhelmed by the many obstacles in your own life. Rather than focusing on what you can't change, you begin to see how you can make a difference wherever you are able. You will no longer feel intimidated by the obstacles and challenges that face your life on a daily basis. Today, act upon your desire to help others. Enjoy the day, and I will see you the next time on The Bright Side with Technicia. God Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 